Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, the strength of all those who put their trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers, and because through the weakness of our mortal nature we can do no good thing without you, grant us the help of your grace, that in the keeping of your commandments we may please you both in will and deed, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading is Psalm 50, beginning at verse 7. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will bear witness against you, for I am God, your God. I do not accuse you because of your sacrifices. Your offerings are always before me. I will take no bull calf from your stalls, nor he goats out of your pens, for the beasts of the field are mine, the herds in their thousands upon the hills. I know every bird in the sky, and the creatures of the fields are in my sight. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the whole world is mine and all that is in it. Do you think that I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and make good your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall honour me. Our second reading is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, beginning at verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak, for the patch pulls away from the cloak, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. Otherwise the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins and so both are preserved. 
While he was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader of the synagogue came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly a woman who'd been suffering from haemorrhages for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house, and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl got up, and the report of this spread throughout that district. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. There's a slogan I came across recently which goes the rounds as a meme on the internet quite regularly. It touched a chord with me. I'm staying inside today, it says. It's way too peopley out there. As an introvert, I know the feeling. I love people, but lots of big gatherings and chit-chat can leave me feeling very exhausted. In today's Gospel reading, Jesus has what seems to me to be an extremely peopley day, full of interruptions and crowds. I feel tired just reading about it. First, he meets Matthew, the tax collector, and calls him to leave his tax booth and follow him. By lunchtime, he's been joined by all Matthew's tax collector friends, along with a random assortment of others, who've invited themselves along to Jesus' house to see what's changed their old friend's life so radically. Then the Pharisees turn up, aghast that someone who claims to be doing God's work, as Jesus does, would choose to eat with such a disreputable bunch of people. And hot on their heels are some disciples of John the Baptist, who are equally aghast for a quite different reason. They don't mind who Jesus eats with, they're just offended that he's eating at all, rather than fasting, as their teacher would have done. And then after all that hullabaloo, just when we might have excused Jesus if he'd wanted to slope off and have a siesta, into the melee comes the leader of the local synagogue, whose daughter has died and who's evidently so desperate that he's prepared to beg for the help of this unconventional new preacher. Jesus goes off with him straight away, but on the way yet another need is presented to him as a woman with some sort of gynaecological condition quietly touches his cloak. She hopes he won't notice, because she knows that contact with a woman who's bleeding will render him ritually unclean and no doubt complicate his life. But Jesus does notice, and far from being angry, he stops and takes the time to heal her, before going on to raise the little girl from death having dealt with the crowd of flute players, professional mourners who are there to prepare for her funeral first. Like I said, it's an incredibly peopley day. And everyone who's part of it has a different agenda and different needs. 
The tax collectors need to know they're loved and accepted. The Pharisees need to know that there's a clear line between good and bad and that they're on the right side of it. The disciples of John, who seem never to be happy unless they're miserable, need to make sure everyone else is miserable too. The woman with the haemorrhage needs to be healed and restored to her community. The leader of the synagogue needs his daughter back. And the flute players, while they might not have been so heartless as to have wanted her to die, needed the lucrative job of playing at this funeral. Jesus couldn't please them all. But what he could do, and did do, was to give them all time and space, opening up new possibilities for them. God desires mercy and not sacrifice, he says to the Pharisees, quoting the Old Testament prophet Hosea. And in a way, this is what this whole people day is about. Jesus demonstrates what the saying means as he makes his way through it. Mercy can sound like rather a condescending word to us. It perhaps conjures up visions of a judge letting someone off with a lesser punishment or someone being given a second chance because we feel sorry for them or they beg hard enough. But the Hebrew word that Hosea uses, hesed, is much bigger than that. It's often translated loving kindness or steadfast love. And it seems to me that it's a love that's characterised by its spaciousness. It's a love which gives people room to be themselves, accepts them as they are, and paradoxically, because of that, it also gives them room to change and grow. They don't need to dig their heels in or be defensive because they aren't being attacked. Jesus gives that spacious love to everyone he meets on this peoply day, meeting them where they are, but also offering them room and time to see what they can be. It's easy to see how that happens in his dealings with Matthew and his tax collector friends, with the synagogue leader and his daughter, and with the woman who has the haemorrhage. He welcomes, calls and heals them, restoring them to life physically in the case of the little girl, but spiritually and socially for the others as well. Matthew would have been despised by his community because the taxes he collected on behalf of his Roman overlords mainly went to support their military occupation of Galilee. Tax collectors were collaborators, traitors. We don't know how he came to take on this role, but once he got into it, it would have been very hard to get out of. But Jesus sees possibilities for Matthew and his friends, which no one else, including themselves, has done. The woman's bleeding would have rendered her and anyone she came into contact with ritually unclean. So for 12 years, she'd have had to isolate herself from family and friends, cut off by her illness. By the time she meets Jesus, she's come to the point where she doesn't even seem to be able to make room for herself. She literally wants to be invisible, unnoticed. But Jesus sees her and gives her the dignity of time and space. That's hesed, spacious love in action. But Jesus also shows that spacious love to the other groups in the story too, the ones who don't agree with him, who challenge him, in that he takes them seriously, 
He listens to their questions and answers them. He doesn't just write them off, ignore them or attack them. Even those flute players and the morning crowd aren't just sent packing as if they were just a nuisance. They're given an explanation which opens up the possibility that this story might end in life, not death. She is not dead, but sleeping, says Jesus. Whether they could stop laughing long enough to take that in was up to them. But the space was there. The invitation to see a different future. A new wineskin. It's challenging to live a life of spacious love, to be truly open to others instead of endlessly defensive. Jesus can only do it because he's rooted in the spacious love of his Father for him. If we find ourselves unable to listen to others, wanting to demonise them before we've even met them, perhaps it's because we don't have that sense of security ourselves. As the Bible says, We love because God first loved us. If we think God's love has limits, then we'll inevitably worry that if others get more, there'll be less for us. So we'll have to try and ration it out to those we think deserve it. The message of the Bible, though, is that there's plenty for everyone, that it's inexhaustible. As we follow Jesus through his peopley day, then, Perhaps it might lead us to think of the people we meet in our days and how we feel about them. Who do we welcome? And who do we avoid or resent? Who might we not even notice? And why might that be? And are we secure in the knowledge of God's spacious love for us so that we can let it overflow freely to those around us too? Amen. And so as we bring our prayers to God, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen.